Welcome to FT Advisors podcast series in association with Janice Henderson, looking at the components of multi-asset funds for clients. I'm Ellie Duncan, Features Editor of FT Advisor. We're all living longer. They say the first person to live to 150 has already been born. Many people retiring now, though, can expect to live another 20, 30 or even 40 years in retirement. The issue of funding those later years is a pressing one for the government and for individuals. The state pension is not enough for most people to live on in retirement, so the onus really falls on the financial advice community to help clients generate another source of income that will fund their later years. Following the introduction of the pension freedoms, which scrapped the necessity to purchase an annuity when people retire, there has been a spate of product launches in the investment and pension space. Many of these funds and solutions aim to deliver a regular income as people see out their remaining years. But how can those approaching or in retirement ensure they do not run out of money should they live longer than expected? What types of products, including multi-asset funds, can provide the steady income most retirees need? Nick Watson, a portfolio manager on the UK-based multi-asset team at Janice Henderson, and Ryan Hughes, head of active portfolios at AJ Bell, are here to discuss the importance of income in retirement. Nick, let's start with you, please. Why is financial advice so important when it comes to retirement planning? Sure. I think you've captured one of the main issues facing either people currently coming to the end of their working life or those already in retirement, and that's life expectancy. People are expected to be living for longer, and therefore they need their assets, whether it's um, money or whether it's their houses, to be working harder going forwards to fund their lifestyle into their retirement period. In, in terms of financial advice, helping those individuals, it may well be about advising people to work for longer or how their assets can actually work harder to deliver income to fund that lifestyle going forwards. Ryan, same question to you. Uh, I, I wouldn't disagree with any of those. I think one of the areas that um, advice can, can financial advisors can, can really help also is in the element of tax planning. We've seen the tax system and the pension system get ever more uh, complicated. Uh, the area of pension uh, simplification, as the government grandly called it, uh, seems to have made things much harder. Uh, and therefore, I think financial advisors have got a huge role to play in, in helping investors navigate what is a more complex area than it probably has been for a long time. There are worries that, that people who choose to go into drawdown in retirement are going to spend their pension pot far too soon, um, which would leave them with very little to live on. How can advisors help clients avoid these types of retirement pitfalls, do you think, Ryan? Um, I think managing expectations uh, is, is a very large part of, of what we do as fund managers, but also what financial advisors uh, can do. And I think that's probably increasingly important now where with markets where they are, in terms of being on a very long bull run, uh, perhaps quite a late cycle uh, market. And we run the risk of having much more volatile markets going forwards. Uh, and therefore, advisors, I think, have got a big role to play in, in, in managing how much income is sustainable over time, how much risk can be taken and should be taken uh, to get that balance right so that we don't see uh, investors really kind of ravage their pot of uh, capital that should last them, as you absolutely said, you know, maybe 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, it's, it's going to be key that they, they manage that very carefully uh, and that they don't go too hard too soon uh, on that portfolio, particularly if we get volatility over the next couple of years in markets. Nick, is sort of managing expectations the key to avoiding these pitfalls? Yeah, I think Ryan's observed that we've had a fantastic period of performance. We're probably entering a period when you're likely to have more risk and lower returns going forwards. So that's going to have implications for 
how um, how clients and investors can actually allocate their capital um, into the assets that maybe won't be offering the same level of income that they maybe have done so historically. Um, as people's life expectancy grows, you may well find that those assets start to shrink. And you mentioned drawdown. Given where markets are at the moment, a lot of assets have performed incredibly well. And drawdown has worked as an investment strategy. But if you do find an environment when some of those assets start to fall in value, those assets that are remaining have to work increasingly hard to meet the same level of income for clients. That's a potential challenge for investors. Uh, it makes some really good points there. And I think also what's important for, for everyone to understand is actually withdrawing capital is, is not a it's not a bad thing. And lots of people when we talk to talk to advisors, talk to clients, is they're they're very comfortable taking natural income. Uh, but there's a there's a behavioural psychological barrier with actually drawing it into capital. But actually when you enter the decumulation phase, you you're you're doing exactly that. And therefore actually realizing that you may need to eat into some capital over time uh, is not necessarily uh, a, a perilous journey and actually actually quite a normal thing when you're in that retirement phase. From an investment perspective, having an income-focused portfolio, if it's living a natural income, and something which is more appropriate for, let's say, drawdown, those two things aren't mutually exclusive. You can actually have some really nice blending of multi-asset strategies that are trying to achieve something similar but give you different styles. So if you have an income-focused portfolio, you might have a bit more dividend yield, a bit more value from a style perspective. But you don't need those things if you have a growth portfolio that you can then draw down on. So navigating a through the cycle, if you like, approach to your portfolio um, and to your pension, having a bit of value for natural income, a bit of growth with some drawdown, those two things actually work really nicely together through the cycle. Now, we've seen, um, as I alluded to earlier, a spate of sort of multi-asset funds. Some of these have a kind of income objective being launched as a kind of solution to um, generating income in retirement. Um, Nick, do you think these are sort of part of the solution? I think they certainly have a role to play. Um, I mean, multi-assets, before we move on to multi-asset income, is a useful tool for investors because it provides them with diversification. If a client is either moving into retirement or is already in retirement, their risk and their approach to risk may well have changed over time. So having a multi-asset solution could be a nice way of giving exposure to the market and a range of assets without really overexposing the clients to risk. Moving into the income part of the multi-asset debate, you do then have diversification of income sources. So whether you're looking at equities with dividends, bonds through coupons, or even alternative asset classes, you can diversify your risks, but also diversify your sources of income. Do you agree with that, Ryan? Uh, I do. And I, I think diversifying the sources of income is, is really important. But but also we need to think about, uh, as Nick talked about, the, the different types of market environment we're in and having a balanced portfolio. If you'd had a solely income-focused portfolio over the last few years, you would have missed out on some fantastic growth that's been in the market. And therefore, that that getting that balance right, getting that combination of assets uh, in the multi-asset structure, uh, and also diversifying across a whole range of different income uh, assets, particularly with yields on fixed interest being so low, uh, it's going to be uh, increasingly important uh, over the next few years. I think the nice thing about a multi-asset solution is that there's not just one level of risk you can deliver with multi-asset. If you're buying an equity, you know you're getting equity risk. If you're buying a multi-asset fund, you can scale it up or down to suit the client's risk preferences or their income objective. So multi-asset's not just for clients who are low risk. I think there's a role for multi-asset for a range of um, clients, depending on their risk tolerance, because you can manoeuvre your asset allocation to deliver the outcome that suits that client's risk tolerance. And what kind of asset classes are going to be kind of generating an income for clients at the moment then? Ryan? 
Uh, well, traditionally, if we were looking at building an income portfolio, we would have relied on fixed interest as being the bedrock of that. I think the trouble we have in this environment is that the 10-year uh, government bond yields about 1.7. Uh, corporate bonds yield just over two. Uh, and therefore, you really need, if you want to generate a, a long-term sustainable income, which people would have historically said was around three and a half, four percent 4%, uh, you're clearly going to have to take a lot more risk going forwards than you have done historically. Uh, and and that, that does have implications for portfolio construction and volatility of capital um, that, that we've just been talking about. So we need to look away from the traditional bond market uh, and we need to look at equities. Uh, and with that comes equity risk, obviously. But if you look at the 10-year yield on the FTSE All Share, it's been fairly uh, constant at around 3.5%. So there's a, there's a clue there that you can get a sustainable income, uh, but clearly you're going to have to look at areas of the market that are far more volatile uh, than we would have done historically when we put these types of portfolios together. And is that something that advisors should be flagging to their clients then, this kind of level of risk and volatility that they might be exposed to? Absolutely. I mean, the, the environment has changed completely. If we wound the clock back 10 years ago, pre-financial crisis, uh, government bonds were yielding 5%. You locked in that 5% coupon, you had relative certainty of capital. If you view the government as a certain uh, someone that's certainly going to repay your capital, uh, and the environment has completely changed on its head. We're now in a post-QE world, uh, and, and no one really knows how that's going to play out over the next few years. You know, we are in uncharted territory, uh, but one thing is definitely clear is that to generate income from your portfolio now, you have to take more risk than you have done historically. And you can see that in the way some multi-asset funds have behaved. A lot of multi-asset funds have crowded into higher risk parts of the fixed income market to try to live that same level of income. So going from government bonds to investment grade to high yield to EMD. So there are ways of generating income from your portfolio within your fixed income allocation, but you do need to be sensible about how you're navigating those risks, given how how expensive some of those asset classes have become with that tidal wave of QE compressing yields. Equities are interesting, as Ryan's mentioned. There are also some selective alternative asset classes, such as private equity, renewables and infrastructure, which can offer diversification of income streams and diversification of return profiles. That's not to say alternatives are some sort of investment panacea. There are risks in these asset classes, but if they're used sensibly in a multi-asset portfolio, they can help smooth outcomes and add to income for clients. So going back to sort of the retirement planning aspect of this conversation, at what age do clients need to start thinking about how they're going to fund their later years? Because there's probably some people out there who are thinking, you know, a couple of years before they plan to retire, I'll take a look at what's in my pension pot and have a think about, you know, where I'm going to draw down money from. But Nick, do they need to be thinking much earlier on than that? Yeah, I think the answer should really be now. Um as a client sort of is going through their working life, at the start, income investing is not necessarily going to be the forefront of their minds. But what should be at the forefront of their mind is accumulating assets that can then work hard in retirement to sustain a lifestyle they have. I think there was a report out over the past couple of days talking about um, retirees' bucket lists and what they want to achieve in retirement. Um, and some of those things included driving Route 66 in California, for example. So there's no one template for what a retirement is like, but clearly people have views about what their, their standard of living should be and what they want to achieve. So if the investor is starting at an early age to grow that pot of capital, which then they can then use at a later stage, whether it's deaccumulation or natural income, to provide them with a standard of living in retirement, that has to start as soon as possible. Do you think people are sort of underestimating that then, Ryan? 
Uh, I, th- I think they, they are. And uh, I guess the slightly flippant answer is you should just start thinking about this as soon as possible, as early as possible. It's never too soon to start thinking about planning for your retirement, even if you are a um, you know, a young 20-something and it feels like a very long way off. It's never too early. But also, I think as you approach retirement, you also need to start thinking about the type of lifestyle that you want. But then also think about separating your income requirements. So we, we all have a kind of basic standard of living cost that we need to fund, you know, fund our bills, fund our food, fund our taxes and so on. But then you've got the discretionary elements, you know, driving Route 66 or doing uh, many other things, uh, and they all have a cost as well. But obviously, they're in the discretionary end of your spending. So if you've, if you've got a good way of planning, uh, and this is where a financial advisor, I think, can really help uh, investors, uh, is plan to work out the separation of required income and what that basic required income is every year, and then what your discretionary income is on top, then you can start building a portfolio to meet both of those needs. And what about those people who perhaps feel like they haven't got enough in savings to warrant getting financial advice in the first place. Do you think that they should be seeing an advisor, whatever the size of their sort of pension pot, Nick? Uh, That would be my direction of travel, I think. When you go into the world of investment, there's a huge range of opportunities available to you, different asset classes, different ways of investing. And realistically, a financial advisor is best placed to deal with those individuals who don't have a huge amount of investment expertise. Uh, interesting, a, a recent FCA review on retirement um, showed that 30% of direct investors are now going into an income drawdown plan uh, of their own choice and managing it themselves. Uh, now, that's interesting when we look at the market, particularly where uh, asset prices are very high uh, and we've got the risk of, uh, of perhaps more volatile markets. We've got one third of the market uh, actually going down into what is quite a complex area. Uh, and certainly if they're taking too much income from their portfolio too soon and we get market falls, uh, then they run into the sequencing risk problem. Uh, then I think that's something the FCA will be very interested in, uh, in keeping a close eye on, where it's those direct clients that are managing the portfolio. And that's exactly where uh, a financial advisor c- can help you know, plan and mitigate and manage some of those risks that, that certainly sit there. For those clients who don't feel they have enough capital to justify spending time with an advisor, historically they could have gone and just bought an annuity. So you get some capital and then also generate a nice level of income um, from that annuity. But annuity rates at the moment are really, really low. Ryan's made the observation about bond yields being low. That's exactly the same function there. So those sort of one-stop shops that clients could historically have lent on aren't really going to generate the level of income that maybe they need going forwards. Thank you very much to Nick and Ryan for their comments and insight. You can read more on multi-asset news at ftadvisor.com. And if you have any questions for our experts on multi-asset, let us know by tweeting at FTAdvisor or emailing eleanor.duncan at ft.com. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's Corient.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.